My name is Dr. Randolph Shippon, and I am the host of American Unity Radio at AmericanUnityRadio.com. I'm also the principal for the free advertising agency, which owns more than 800 domains as of last uh, check. And we are here to present to you ideas that are going to help heal our country. Not that our country is broken, but it sure seems to more and more people like things are breaking down. There's a difference between those two conditions. We are not broken, but there are some things that are breaking down that need to be fixed. And among those things, our uh, human relations abilities are breaking down. You would think they would be improving with the internet. They are not. We have uh, research that shows that we have higher levels of mental health problems than we have ever had in the past. And that is maybe partly due to awareness, maybe partly due to the destigmatization efforts that have occurred. But I would also offer that we have more mental health problems because we have less resiliency. We have fewer communities of support. We have essentially fewer places where people can uh, uh, feel unjudged, uh, feel like they are accepted and embraced and part of a community and uh, welcome and whole and nourished emotionally. And uh, gosh, I don't think COVID helps, does it? So um, just for history's sake, I'm recording this during COVID-19, but the year is 2020. It's October the 20th of 2020. So 10-20-2020. And um, Dr. Deborah Wagner is my guest. Dr. Deborah Wagner. But listen to the order I put that in. Because it was the right order. Children and their families. Children and their families. Children and their families. So what you're going to hear today is the shifting winds, the changing environs that are affecting families now. And Dr. Wagner's observation a person who is really able to make this observation that there are serious problems tearing kids apart with parents who seem to hate each other more than they love their kids. How do you like that? You hate each other more than you like your kids. Hmm. Have you seen it? Can you think of a few examples? Yeah? Well, you're not alone. All of us can. Everybody, not just therapists, you know. People are being nastier to each other these days. And it needs to stop. And Dr. Wagner is going to have this conversation with us, and I'm so honored. Also on this episode, several satire ads, things that will hopefully make you laugh. And um, since this episode is about kids, I have to put on some kids that I hope are not being torn apart. Uh, So the only ones I can think of to put on and to share their thoughts about the world are my own because they beg me to put them on the program. They beg for it. So 
God bless you. God bless the United States of America. I hope you have a good time listening to our family's radio program and uh, listening to ideas about what needs to be done about parents who are tearing apart their kids by tearing each other apart, whether they're together or divorced, it doesn't matter. We need to get better at human relations and human communications. It doesn't matter if it's in our politics, if it's in the courts, if it's in our places of business, if it's in our homes, if it's in our churches or synagogues or mosques, we need to get better at getting along. And so I have a notion that God wants us all to get along. And that is why I'm having Dr. Wagner on the program, and I'm so honored that she's joining us. So let's get to it. Dr. Wagner, let's learn from you what we have to do in this world to to help our kids. And I hope you'll stay tuned for this program. I'm very excited to present it. Thanks for listening. My name is Dr. Randolph Shippon, and I'm the host of AmericanUnityRadio.com, and I am so honored to have on the podcast today somebody who has been a friend to me through professional affiliations and a person who has mentored me and guided me through how to be a decent human being sometimes in my responses to other people when I get angry. Um, and that is none other than the wonderful mentor, friend, and psychologist, uh, Dr. Deborah Wagner. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Chapon. I'm very, very happy to be here, and I'm happy to be your friend as well. <laughs> uh, well, that means the world to me because, you know, the world is short on friends sometimes, and um, I'm happy to say that uh, I feel the same way toward you. Um can you tell me a little bit about what your idea was that had emerged out of your work with couples that now uh, has been on your mind and, and the kind of things that you're witnessing in your practice? First of all, can we introduce your practice? Can we say what it's called and give you the free advertising that I like to give everybody who, who even uh, deigns talk with me at this point in my life? <laughs> sure. Um, I have a practice in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and it's, titled Dr. Deborah Wagner, Ph.D. I also have the Wagner Center for Psychotherapy, um, also in Ridgewood. And I have a general practice. I see uh, people ages two up through however old they can be. I see children and uh, adults and couples and families and um, what has been of concern to me lately, I would say over the last 10 years or so, I've been seeing a trend towards um, couples divorcing with very young children, which I had not seen that much of in years prior, but recently it seems to be on the increase, and it creates a, a host of problems that are of great concern to me. Wow. Well, uh, I am also bearing witness to this in my practice. And um, one of the things that I wanted to, because, you know, I have a practice also uh, in Mountain Lakes. It's, I only have one. I don't have like three practices. Did you think you have like three practices or is it just, uh, is it just two? 
It's just two. One is just <laughs> I'm the only one in it, and the other I do have an employee. So you know how funny it is to me that you know we're having this conversation, and people are listening, and people are probably saying, "Oh, just two psychotherapy practices? Is that all?" In other <laughs> words, whenever you do more than one thing in this world, generally people are pretty impressed. And what I want to say to our audience is, when it comes to Dr. Wagner, you should be, because this is a person who I have seen go against the grain of groupthink more times than I can shake a stick at. And she has always been an inspiration to me in her professionalism and her candor and her actual care, even for people who are on the other side of an argument. I, I have been so impressed with that. So I think anybody working with you at your two or five or 10 or 600 businesses that you should open. I think anybody who works with you is very, very lucky. Oh, thank you. That is that's probably an overrated accolade, but I thank you for it. Well, okay. We'll take it, right? We don't leave, right. Not, we don't leave that kind of thing on the shelf. We pop the cork and we enjoy it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's what my teacher taught me. Uh, Lois Banaszek at Temple University was my research mentor, and she taught me that uh, with, every tr- uh, with every achievement, you pop the cork, you celebrate, because you have to celebrate along the way to get anything done. Isn't that wise? That is. That's very wise. Yeah. So tell me about what you're observing. You're you're saying that these younger parents are younger families, families with young children. And I think we, maybe we have to make some developmental distinctions here because it seems to me that the age at which people are marrying and remarrying has changed also drastically in the past several years. Yes. So So a lot of the parents are not necessarily younger parents, but... Um, they do have young children, and I'm talking about people splitting up when children are under the age of five, you know, two, three, four years of age, and um, and the, I guess my my question in in what is often a very very contentious situation between the exes, do you yeah. hate each other more than you love your children? Wow. That encapsulates what so frequently goes on, that the animosity and the vitriol that exes have towards each other filtered, well, it's played out through their children and the custody agreement and the interrogation of the children when they return from a visit with the other parents and the divisiveness of the rules and the, um, you know, just the environment is is tearing these children apart emotionally such that I'm seeing children at the ages of four or five and six years old starting to split, which, you know, is a psychological term that we use for, you know, when, when people develop two separate realities. And um, obviously... So I think we need to go into more detail on that little piece just for the um, listener who is not trained. Um, can you talk to me about splitting? What happens when a person splits, according to the definition that you are using? Well, it, they they develop these two separate realities, these two separate worlds. And I'll give you an example of of how how that happens. And and, and you know, oftentimes it's you know something is either all good or all bad. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. So. So it's when a child will be, 
with one parent, um, the child will want to use that parent's last name. Then the child goes to the other parent and wants to use that parent's last name. When they come home from either of those parents and the other parent hears of this, the child is caught in the middle as the parent gets upset or angry, especially if it's not the given name of the child. Right. The same will go for um, bedtime routines. And I've even seen this go to the extent of a child accusing a parent of um, horrific abuses while they're with one parent. And, you know, oftentimes I'll have, you know, either parent alternate bringing the child for their therapy sessions. And then on the next session, when the child is with the other parent, categorically denies that any of these abuses took place. So you have one parent who's calling child services because they think the child's being abused, and then the child negates or retracts everything that they said to that parent when they're questioned by somebody else. And this is tearing the children apart from inside. I mean, it's basically ripping them up from inside out, I would imagine. It is. Psychically, right? Absolutely. Their internal internal development. Right. And it's, it's, sowing the seeds for real psychopathology down the, down the line. So, um, so we have to get better at settling our arguments with each other or at least communicating when parents are divorced, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, I, I've, I've given this so much thought because I've treated so many situations like this, and I don't believe that these parents are intrinsically bad. I don't believe, I mean, obviously some of them have their issues. I don't believe that they're, they're trying to harm their child. I think many of them believe they're protecting their child. But, but, what, but I think what's happening is that these parents are engaging in in a, in a projective identification of sorts that, that when the marriage went bad, these two people brought out the worst in each other. And they saw sides of this other person that was their spouse or their partner that was probably pretty not nice. Yeah. And then when, when they're divorced, they believe that this, this ex, will emit the same behavior towards the child. And and for some, more than others, but, but for some, they believe that this ex is incapable of truly loving and nurturing another human being, and that is projected onto the child. Wow. So, so in other words, you know, I've heard these, these parents say to me, I know what this person is capable of. So when my child tells me that this parent yelled at her or him, I remember how they screamed at me when we got into a fight. And, and, and that, that creates a sort of enmeshment, which means that, you know, the parent is unable to differentiate themselves from the child. So they see the child as an extension of themselves. So if the, if my ex did this to me, then then it's an absolute truth that they must be doing this to the child. And okay. It, it, 
right? And it's not an absolute truth because a parent will love and nurture and devote themselves to the child in a way very, very dissimilar to how they comported themselves with their ex when they were in a contentious, unhappy marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. What do you think is happening with respect to the professionalization of settling disagreements? In other words, I'm impressed by the fact that lawyers make so much money these days. I'm very impressed that we have more lawyers per square inch in the state of New Jersey than anywhere else in the world. And I have great respect for attorneys when they're smart and when they don't take advantage of people. Um, Do you think that over the years that you've been practicing psychotherapy with people who have, you know, children, people who have younger or older children, people who are divorcing, do you think that the legal battles have become more contentious or less contentious? I think they've become far more contentious, mm. but I, I have to say that I think the attorneys and the and the courts are completely befuddled by this situation because because the attorneys do not have the training or the expertise in psychology to decipher what is reasonable, rational behavior and what isn't in these parents. You know, the the attorneys do not have the ability to determine is this mother reporting an accurate assessment of what's going on with their child and their ex, or is this a function of maybe a psychologically unsound parent? Somebody sent me a thing. And I don't know who sent it to me. I want to say it might have been my wife. You know, people trade things on the Internet. They put things on Facebook. They have them in their social media or their emails or whatever. And you get these memes. You're familiar with these things, you know? And uh, I'm saying this because we're in 2020, but we don't know if somebody's listening to this uh, in uh, 2099, right? Like, we don't know. Okay, so, so we have these pictures that people trade around the Internet. And these pictures are um, usually jokes or things that make you think. Or, And we found out recently that a lot of them are put on by political organizations, and some of them are even put on by foreign countries. We, we learned a lot of stuff in the United States in this time in our history. But one of the things that we learned is that we can pass along things to each other to make ourselves laugh and do it over the computer, and it makes you think or it makes you laugh. One of the memes that was sent to me was if you put red ants and black ants, have you seen this one? If you put red ants and black ants in a uh, jar, they don't attack each other. But if you shake the jar, the red ants will kill all the black ants and the black ants will kill all the red ants. No, I didn't didn't see that. Yeah. In other words, tribalism seems to occur. And if you think about cortisol, the stress hormone and oxytocin, which has a dark side, that's a good part of oxytocin, is that it's the calming and bonding hormone. The bad part is it creates tribalism and you will kill each other because you are now bonded with the person you love, right? right. So um, tribalism and um, you, you remember the <laughs> brown eyes, what was it, brown eyes, blue eyes experiment? Yes. And yes. any form of, of, of designating other designating somebody else as the outsider, Martin Buber, I am now. There's a wonderful title about this. Um, Designating somebody as the other. When the situation comes under stress, that 
is when these things tend to fall apart, and it's my nation versus your nation. Well, like, I agree. Yeah. I agree, no. but I, I think, and, and, you know, I'm trained as a developmental psychologist, and um, my pre- and post-doc work was on um, mother-infant attachment and bonding. Hmm. And, 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 again, having given this a lot of thought, um, after a woman gives birth to a child, there are successive periods of bonding. The initial one is one in which um, instinctively a, a mother and an infant would be alone with the infant and really create a very secure bond. And that bond changes as the child matures and starts to seek independence in different ways and develop its own identity. And, and I have hypothesized that as a child, as, as, as a child is around two, three years old, uh, a couple splits up, it is in, intrinsically, um, I'm trying to find the right word, maybe not repugnant, but maybe anti-psychological or anti-biologically organized for a mother to be able to give her child over, even to the other parent father for weekends or vacations, you know, because I think, I think just that biologically and psychologically, a woman is programmed to bring that child in rather than to let it out. Right. And I think that that might fuel some of the mother's possessiveness. Can we call it rage? Can we call it rage? I don't know that I, it's not rage in all cases. You know, okay. it, in some cases it is, um, but in, it's it's not in all cases. I just I I think that that the that the instinct in the mother and 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 by this I do not mean in any way manner or means to diminish a father's love or protectiveness for a child because mm-hmm. I I'm a hundred percent supportive of you know paternal love and bonding with children as well. Uh, On behalf of all the men out there who are uh, fathers, uh, thank you very much, Dr. Wagner. We feel very forgotten. Well, I I understand that, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm, you know, an advocate for the men as well as the women, but more importantly, I'm typically the advocate for the child because usually I'm brought in as the child therapist. So, um, so, but I, I, I think that, that we as the professionals have to decipher through what are the, the instinctive, the, the inborn, you know, millennia old wirings of, our, of women's brains that, that make it so uncomfortable for them to give over those children to the father. And maybe, and, you know, this is my greatest hope, but probably one that's not going to come to fruition, you know, maybe we can somehow work to postpone the separation of a couple, you know, heal the couple, help the marriage survive at least until the children are old enough and, the, and both parents are able to negotiate a reasonable uh, custody arrangement such that the children don't have to be torn the way they're being torn. 
I'm going to make a suggestion for marital um, soundness, and I want to hear if you would if you would support this suggestion. Yes. I think that the data supports what the field of neurolinguistic programming has been saying since its inception. Neurolinguistic programming proposes that there are many levels of communication. Linguistics, language, has many components to it. And um, among those components are not just syntax and grammar and text, but, you know, how people say things, the musicality with which things are said, the hidden levels of meaning in a metaphor, um, the cadence, the, all the physical factors when you're in a room with somebody, um, uh, the energy of the moment. Right. All, of, all of this plays into linguistics. And I believe that I, I was an early adopter of the iPhone. As soon as it came out, I had one. And there was actually a wonderful psychologist by the name of uh, Dr. John Fiorello who said to me, um, you know, Wolf, it occurs to me that you'll get technology as soon as it's available. I said, that's right. He, he said, would you try getting beamed up onto the Star Trek Enterprise? Would you, would you be the first one? I said, yes, I absolutely would. He said, you would be horribly deformed. You wouldn't be able – if you beam down – this is what he actually said, and I wrote it down as a quote because it was so funny that he said it. He said, if you, don't, if you beam down without any legs, don't come running to me. <laughs> Do you love it? Yeah. Do you love it? He didn't know he said it, but it, it came out that way, and it was brilliant. One of the greatest things ever said to me. Anyway, neurolinguistic programming proposes that we lose a lot if we don't have all of the musicality of speech, and if we don't have all of the musicality of presence, and the musicality, the 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 uh, the energies of context and contact are lost by fragments of information that are these text things that we're obsessed with, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It's, it's either it's a picture on Instagram, but usually there's text with it. And it's the text where all the meanings are lost. Um, text can mean so many different things read different ways. And so when you lose uh, all the other factors, Neurolinguistic programming proposes that a text message, you're losing 80% of the communication value in that text message. And how many people are conducting their relationships over text messages these days? Well, I, I, I absolutely agree with you, but in many of these cases, it's even worse because um, many of these couples that are split up are using, I don't know if you've heard of My Family Wizard. Is this a, a, a web tool from the courts that lets people yes. negotiate pickup times and all that crap? Yes. And, okay. um, and so on My Family Wizard, because it's, um, it can be accessed by the courts or attorneys or anybody at any time, um, it's even more restricted in terms of real communicative dialogue. So, uh, ah, huh. yeah. so in other words, in other words, you're taking two people who probably need to be communicating more and better and more competently as, you know, like I've heard before that the only competent thing, thing to do when you have kids and you're divorcing is to attend an exit therapy where you renegotiate all the boundaries 
with family communications so that they're comfortable for everybody, that you actually have to have a competent psychotherapy on the way out of a marriage. And right. uh, uh, from what I understand, uh, most people don't do this. Right. And and when when you have that situation and you don't have – any kind of exit strategy, and you have a young child, I mean, think in terms of when a young child um, is questioned after a visitation with the other parent, um, how does that child explain, you know, feeding and bedtime and discipline and sleeping arrangements and they come home with bruises and and they're questioned you know how did you get this bruise you know and and how can a three-year-old or a four-year-old or even a five-year-old accurately explain you know daddy was roughhousing with me and I got a I got a little banged up now, if this couple was together and Daddy was roughhousing with, let's say, his little boy, and Mom is watching, she's going to have a smile on her face. She's going to warn her husband, you know, be careful. You're too close to the coffee table. Watch out. That's a little rough. I'm worried about, you know, his neck or whatever. But she's going to be part of the fun. But when the child is on a visitation with his father and comes home with a bruise and Mom says, how did you get this bruise? Well, you know, Daddy threw me on the floor. And what do you I think? What do you propose? What do you propose as a solution for all this garbage that's happening between these couples? Oh, see, that's a hard question. Um, I I think that what is really needed it, when these when these situations get bad and I have seen many, many, many that have gotten very bad. Um, I think the parents need to be brought in early and and taught the difference between um, appropriate behavior and inappropriate behavior and how well and how how challenged a young child is in reporting this. I mean, the, the go-to assumption that I see in these cases is the, the assumption is that the other did something wrong. The assumption is not this parent loves my child. Now, of course, I have a skewed population because the ones that don't have these problems aren't in my office. But, um, but, but when the go-to assumption is child has a bruise, other parent, um, molested or hit. Child is hungry, other parent didn't feed. Child is tired, other parent didn't put the child to bed on time. You know, the parent has to learn to give the benefit of the doubt. And if they can't negotiate this with the other parent, then you bring in the professional. And And I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen this, that a lot of our colleagues will not take these cases under any circumstances because they're just so fraught with difficulty. Um, I have advised my own supervisees not to take cases like this because I believe that it, uh, it takes a very experienced hand. And to be honest, the stress of providing the supervision 
in these cases, for me, is too much at this point in my life. Right. You know, I just can't do it. And so, and so I will tell you that it's extremely contentious. The um, therapists, for some reason, are scared of lawyers. I don't really know why therapists are scared of lawyers because, in my opinion, uh, attorneys practice a, a craft that is, um, in the United States system, questionable at best with respect to its um, efficacy at settling dis- disagreements. And um, so I think that the true craft, the true craft that needs to be taught to people is not legal craft. Uh, it's conflict resolution. I think that we need to teach people that um, even if you separate from somebody or divorce somebody or never want to look at that person's face again, that's still a human being who wants 99.9% of the same things you want in this world. And that's the part where you know, there seems to be a, a real difficulty in, in, in the lexicon that I think has developed in this country with the advent of the Internet of dividedness, the advent of dividedness as a, an art form. And I, I lay it at the feet of some things that you and I agree on. But let's just say people are not communicating well because they are attacking each other's words. And as soon as they attack each other's words, they cut off communication. What do you think? I agree, but but they're also using people's words as a judgment of their character. Mm. And, and we have all of these buzzwords today that, that feed back to a chain of beliefs about a person's, a person's motivations, a person's decency, a person's character, and there's a lot of rush to judgment. And when you have a young child in the middle of that between two parents, and I always think of that biblical story of King Solomon and the two moms that brought the child, each yeah. claimed the child was their own, and he said, you know, well, I'll cut the child in half and you will each get half. And the true mother said, you know, give the baby to the other mother, to the other woman. So, you know, these, I mean, this is, you know, a perfect analogy. These children are being torn in half, not literally, but they're being torn in half psychologically. And, um, And parents need to be taught that they need to embrace the child's love for the other parent. Don't undermine it, you know, wallow in it. It's wonderful if a child has two parents that can love them and that want to be in that child's life. It's wonderful if a child has two parents who both want more time with that child. Hmm. So, you know, and, and I work with a lot of, a lot of attorneys over this, you know, my happiest moment is when the child gets, you know, a guardian ad litem or, you know, or an attorney that represents them because I can't, you know, I'm I'm unable to engage with the parent's attorneys because that's a conflict of interest for me. But when the child has their own advocate, that's really, that then becomes the best scenario. Mm. It's an amazingly complex thing that we're talking about here. 
And uh, I think that we really need um, to have a uh, lexicon developed, a set of procedures developed, a set of understandings developed around um, conflict relations and how to appropriately process um, people's communications uh, in a conflict. Because right now, uh, the level of labeling and gaslighting that people engage in, where they try to say, this one's abusive, that one's crazy, this one is this one is uh, problematic in, in some way. Uh, I, I find it to be like a, an effort to criminalize normal frustrations and communications. And I think that it, unless we get, move away from text and we teach people how to um, do some of this, we're going to see a continual breakdown along these lines that you're talking about. Uh, I feel like the medium has become the message in some ways. I feel like people, I've, I've noticed this almost as soon as the iPhone came out, where the iPhone became the docket of all crimes of the other person. And so the person, the two people would come into a session with me. I had two attorneys who came into a session with me and used the iPhone as the docket of all the bad things that one texted to another and all the pictures of all the wrongs and all the surveillance that was done. And I just feel like maybe our technology has a role in all of this increased level of conflict and nastiness, especially legally. Right. Yeah, no, I, I see the same thing. And, um, and you know, parents have shared with me um, recordings of them talking to the child and the child talking to them. And I listen to these recordings, and the parent isn't even aware of how they're leading the child. And I can hear throughout the recording how like initially the child might you know answer no to a question of you know like did mommy or daddy hurt you you know no we were playing and then well what do you you know what were you playing and then like before you know it the child is saying you know mommy or daddy hit me or mommy or daddy right right all the time but and, they're leaving questions and they're acting like they're attorneys or that they're expert investigators. And the children cannot, you know, the, the child, I mean, children are very tuned in to what their parents and the significant adults in their lives want from them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's developmentally sound and healthy. They need to be tuned into that. So they start to pick up on, you know, well, Daddy wants me to say this about mommy, or mommy wants me to say this about daddy, and the child gives them what they want. This is terrifying. It is. This is terrifying. And honestly, the the best thing I would ask people to do is take inventory of their relationships and uh, every pattern of abuse that the other person uh, exhibited towards you. Question it and ask yourself. Ask yourself. Are you, are you willing to call this person abusive or an abuser for the rest of your life? Because if you do, you're going to imprint that on your child. Why don't you find a way? Why don't you find a way 
to say a language of stress, a language of, you know, like the stress diathesis model of illness is basically that stress causes behaviors and illness. Okay. And so, you know, adopt a lexicon of non-judgmental stance. Adopt a lexicon of non-labeling, because if you really understand your Eastern religions, what you understand is that every label in your head for everything might be a way of persecuting your own mind. It might be a way of trapping your own mind around whether a person is a good person or a bad person. Maybe it's just a person. And if you have a non-judgmental stance, you can get there. The problem is when you have an actual abuser the whole game changes. Right. You know, if you're dealing with a person who has actually, you know, been convicted of crimes, you know, against other people, you have a totally different calculus around that than you would somebody who might have looked at you the wrong way or said the politically incorrect thing or your child is saying that daddy was mean or whatever it is. It's it's a different calculus for I, I, I'm, I'm with Michael Foucault, the great feminist author who, who wrote a book called uh, Discipline and Punish. And in it, he basically says the function of society and the law essentially is to criminalize normal behavior. Mm-hmm. And when you have DCPMP looking at every scratch and every single word that the child utters, and you understand that these are people with bachelor's degrees, just got out of college usually, who took those jobs. And I'm not saying anything bad about them. They're professionally trained, and they do their jobs well, but they do it with a level of microscopic, almost, I want to say, um, inductive reasoning, not deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning, um, to, to identify systemic problems where there are non-systemic problems. And I find that to be terrifying as a parent as well, because I think that you could, you know, right now in America, people are not sending their children to schools uh, as much because of COVID. And there's a hesitation in me to send my children back to a school, because one of the things that I think about is, you know, there's a level of microscopic regard for things like my son loves to bruise himself, you know, because he's a boy. He gets scrapes on his knees. He runs around the yard. I don't well, imagine, but imagine yeah. a situation in which a parent is afraid to give their child a bath because they don't know what's going to be told when the child returns to the other parent. Imagine a parent that's afraid to discipline or give consequences to a child because, again, they don't know what's going to be said in the interrogation of that child when they get back home. So these children are not being parented properly. I mean, aside from, you know, the the, the splitting and the, the divided loyalties, they're missing out on proper hygiene. They're missing out on proper discipline. They're 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 not having appropriate limits set. Oh, wow. You know, if a child comes home and says, um, you know, I stayed up until midnight 
you know, and then the other parent is like nuts, like, you know, my ex left this, this child stamp for midnight, and then once I get to the bottom of it, I find out that the child threw a fit and wouldn't get into bed, and the other parent was so afraid to pick up the child and put him in bed because, God forbid, a bruise is left on the child, and, the, and they're going to be, you know, like you said, you know, BCPMP looks at every scratch, every mark. I mean, it's it's handicapping. And who's losing? It's the children that are losing. Right? The children are losing. Can we can we title this episode "The Children Are Losing"? We could. We could. Do you want to, or do you have a better I like, title in mind? I like that name. I also like "Do You Hate Your Ex More Than You Love Your Child." But you know, wow. it's your show. <laughs> Well, let's play around. We'll play around with the concept a little bit because I think that a remedy here is to normalize and pacify post-divorce communication. And if you can catch it before the divorce, maybe we should normalize and pacify your in-marriage communication before it even gets there. Right. Wouldn't that be great, huh? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if the divorce rate were not accepted as some sort of a hard fact, but if we could reverse it in this country, wouldn't it be great? I mean, I'm saying, I'm not saying reverse it as a way to oppress women. I think divorce is a natural right in society. I think that, I think that if anything, marriage is suspect, Uh, but, but divorce is something that liberates people from levels of, um, levels of having their t- their freedom taken away that is very important to preserve in society. But with that said, maybe if we fix the communications, i.e. put down your phones, put down your phones, put down your phones, and, 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 and put down your phones. I'm going to stay stuck on that one. One more time, Debbie. Put, put, uh, Dr. Wagner, put down your phones. Because yeah. well, maybe maybe you're getting too involved in the things that are your little rage, your little outrage things in life, like your politics or whatever else you're raging about in this world. And then you take it out on your wife, your wife takes it out on you, and the only person who ends up really losing, losing, losing is the child. Right. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, and I would say, you know, I, I might disagree with you on one point. I think that when you do marry, that is consent to give up some of your freedoms. I mean, as long as it isn't imbalanced and oppressive, I think that as people, as communal people, as societal people, I think we do have to accept giving up some freedoms. We, we are not just a bunch of individuals um, walking through life. We form families. We form communities. And that does require some selflessness, which says, you know what, I will give up some of what works for me for the greater good. And, you know, maybe that's the wrong turn that our culture has taken, that everybody thinks they should have everything they want and give up nothing. And that just doesn't work. Now, I will tell you something, Dr. Wagner. I think that if people hear that the way they want to hear that, they would hear that as a political statement. And I am telling you, audience, she's not making a political statement there. 
Right. It's not a political statement. It's not po- political whatsoever. It's it's uh, it's what, how, what what would I say? It's a uh, human relations. Human relations. The human relations. It's it's that we, we are a community. We do interact. You know, what do you think you of the idea? Drive... What do you think? What do you like the idea? Do you like the idea of eight billion people being a member, being members of one family? Do you like that idea? I think, on some level, we we are. We just don't know it. That's right. I agree right? with you. I 100% agree with you. Did you ever see Carl Sagan's uh, Little Blue Dot video? No. I'm going to um, post it on in the program notes um, for for this episode because um, it is Carl Sagan showing the view of Earth from really, 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 really far away that was sent back uh, by a satellite. And it says, and it just makes the point that for all of the tumult and all of the disagreements, look where it's taking place on this tiny little speck in the galaxy. In other words, from far enough away, it doesn't matter all these disagreements. From far enough away, we're just a speck in the galaxy. And, and the idea is um, that you can humble yourself a little bit and believe that any of, you know, you could focus on the positive things, essentially, is, was my takeaway. You could focus on, if you look at the enormity of the miracle of existence, you could choose to focus on the positive. It's your choice. Right. And I love that. So, uh, and, and I love that you, if your conversation evokes that thought uh, on my birthday. Today is my birthday. So, um, so this has been a wonderful birthday present to talk to you. Well, happy birthday, and I'm glad I gave you a nice present. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. And uh, Dr. Wagner, where can people learn more about you and your work, and if you choose to write a book about all this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where can they learn more about the, the life and times of Dr. Deborah Wagner? Uh, I have a website, DebraWagnerPhD.com. Okay. okay. And is it D-E-B-O-R-A-H? W-A-G-N-E-R-P-H-D.com? Yes. Okay, very good. PhD, piled higher and deeper. Uh, Doctor (laughs) of philosophy, right? Yes. Uh, Meaning that you just heard a philosopher, according to our academic laurels. Uh, And you may have even heard two, because I think I have the same thing after my name. Um, So... uh, so that was cool, right? You hung out with yes. a couple philosophers uh, uh, audience, and I am so excited to talk with you always, and it's such a gift. And thank you, thank you for all of the things that you've done uh, for me over the years in terms of guiding me and just being a person who I could go to in a time of, uh, of uh, I, I don't want to say crisis, in a time of astonishment. You have been a go-to for me, and I really appreciate that. Well, I'm honored to have been able to do that. And I thank you for having me on your show, which is a wonderful creation by you. Oh, thank you. And and I'm grateful you were here. And you can come on any time. Next time you think of something, you could be in the shower. It could be, you know, 7.01 a.m. And you could be like, I want to, oh, my gosh, I have this idea. Just call, just call out my name and you know wherever I am, I'll come running just to see you again. Okay. All right. All right. Happy All right. Day. 
Thank you so much, and, and thank you for listening, audience. Uh, and join us anytime on AmericanUnityRadio.com. Thanks, Dr. Wagner. Bye-bye, Dr. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The following message is sent to Hey, buddy. You ever wanted to be a recording artist? I always wanted to be a recording artist. And then I decided to go to myrecordingartist.com. Guess what? It's a website that has nothing to do with being a recording artist. But it's a website where a recording artist will offer to record you for the radio. Yeah. So go to myrecordingartist.com and have a recording artist record you. As a recording artist, even though you're not a recording artist, on his recording artist program, even though he doesn't really consider himself a recording artist either. MyRecordingArtist.com This message is satire. Hanny, what were we just talking about? Um, the universe blue. The universe blue? Mm-hmm. What about the universe blue? Is blue everywhere? Yeah. What makes you say that? Okay, so you like to paint with blue paint and you put it everywhere? Um, yeah. Is it the whole universe that you're painting? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. How do you know that you're painting the whole universe? Because, um, I just love the whole entire universe. You love the whole entire universe? Uh Uh-huh. Well, did you know that your daddy does too? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I love you, Hanny. I love you too. Following messages, satire. Hey, have you ever wanted to like program somebody else's head? Yeah, every now and then I want to program somebody else's head. Well, listen, you gotta check out headprogrammer.com. Yeah, like head programmer, H E A D programmer. Yeah, check out this website. There's actually a guy who will help you get ideas into other people's heads, and he calls himself the head programmer. Check it out, headprogrammer.com. I think you're gonna like it. This message is satire. Who am I here with tonight on American Unity Radio? Who's me? Leo. Leo? Chipper? Yeah. I'm so glad to be here. Me too. What was special about today? with me, helping me build that awesome um, Lego connecting table track with me. So there are two tables of Legos right in your room? Yep. And we build a bridge between them? Mm-hmm. Well, a bridge between two worlds, right? Mm-hmm. What's in one world? 
humongous police station. And it's got like a city around it, right? There's like a donut shop and stuff? Yeah. Because you have to put the donut shop by the police station, right? Yeah, but the donut shop right now in the city is getting sold to another person. In your Lego city? Yeah, because the police now actually want their own um, donut shop and built into the building. The police want the donut shop built in the building? <laughs> yeah. I wanna I wanna I wanna make that another project with you another day. That we're gonna build the donut shop into the police building? Yeah. Don't you think we're stereotyping police a little bit? What does that mean? <laughs> stereotyping is when you say something about somebody that is kind of like an assumption you make about that person. Like it's like, um, like all guys like daddy like pickles. Like, is that true? Don't don't touch the microphone. So listen, oh. is it true that all guys like daddies, all the, all guys who are just like your daddy like pickles? No. How do you know? Cartoons, police love donuts. <laughs> it's true. I think I'd like to see some national polling data to see if police really do like donuts or if it's just a stereotype. Just who to ask. Who? Well, there's a police officer that I've been talking to late. Uh-huh. And actually, I have another police officer who is um, somebody who I talk to. Mm-hmm. Just like one of my clients. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask my client if it's really true. Do you like donuts, <laughs> Mr. Police Officer? My son and I want to know. My son and I want to know. Do you like donuts, Mr. Police Officer? Would you pick up a donut off the road if you saw one? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Would you eat it off the road? saw a donut Would you pick it up off the road and eat that roadie donut roadie donut that roadie donut that roadie donut that roadie donut that roadie donut donut. 
eats you. I hope someone eats you, but not the police. Maybe a squirrel. Somebody eats the roadie donut, not you, silly. What were you thinking? Well, pause the song real quick. Dad. I can't. Well, what Rody I. Roadie donut. Roadie donut. I hope somebody eats you off the ground. Roadie donut. Roadie donut. I hope someone eats you off the ground, off the ground, off the ground, off the ground. Well, I'll tell you what, the police officer would probably not pick it up and eat it. I think if a police officer saw a donut on the road, he'd probably pick it up and throw it away. That's a very, very high opinion that you have of police officers. And you know what, Leo? I hope you'll always have very high opinion of police officers for the rest of your life. Because I don't think police officers are dummies, and only dummies would probably do that. You know what? What? I don't think police officers are dummies either. Me neither. I don't think anybody's a dummy. I think everybody just needs to be able to, like, talk and, like... Under, understand each other, right? Yeah, not be like, duh, 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 I'm peeking mm. my butt. <laughs> Alright, that's gross. Good night, Leo. I love you. You want to say good night to America? Good night, America. Thanks for uh, joining us on American Unity Radio, and thanks for listening to our song about the roadie donut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and don't be like, duh, 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 I'm peeking my butt. <laughs> <laughs> good night, America. We're live with Hannah Grace again. What did you want to talk about? Jelly beans. I love jelly beans. Do you love jelly beans? Mm-hmm. What do you love about jelly beans? The sugar. Why do you like the sugar? Because it's yummy. What makes it so yummy? Um, the sugar. <laughs> Is there anything else that makes jelly beans so yummy besides the sugar? Um, well, the flavors. Well, I like jelly beans because you like jelly beans. Uh-huh. And I like you. <laughs> Can you record it? Yeah.
young children apart. Folks, if you have uh, a minute, please share this with somebody else, especially share it with young parents or parents my age, which is not young, but who have young children like I do. Um, because uh, we all need to become better at communications. And um, it's, you know, it's not a simple thing. I'm not advocating for therapy here. I'm actually not. I'm advocating for you to learn about a concept called emotional correctness, not political correctness. I don't like that. Emotional correctness is when you harness the power of your emotions to be in alignment with yourself and other people. And to remember that the number one thing that people will remember about you is how you make them feel. Now, if you've been following my podcast, I do my share of making people feel bad. I do that out of anger. I do that when I see injustice. And um, I do have my regrets, I will tell you the truth. But I will never let my regrets stop me from exercising my civil rights. And my civil rights are something that I take very seriously, and you should too. Now the question is, do you have to exercise your civil rights and maintain a relationship that way? And I won't tell you that there's a simple answer to that question because it depends, depends on the situation. I think you need to exercise your civil rights if you're in an abusive situation. That's my takeaway. So when you've heard me feel abused or or when you've heard me think that my family is being abused, you've heard me be the lion that I was born to be in this world. And uh, I hope you are too. And I hope that you'll call on me to support you if you need a lion to support you being a lion in this world. I'm not trying to make myself indispensable to you. I'm trying to say this podcast is American Unity Radio, libertyinjustice.com. And I think you can find liberty and justice. The question is, what kind of justice are you looking for? I would offer you that true justice is the truth tempered with mercy and that the true justice includes everyone and excludes no one that's a hard one for me to swallow you know that i've you know wanted to exclude people in this world i wanted to exclude the exclude those who i perceive as being hurtful from my experience that is my civil right but I also understand that I have to take other people's feelings into consideration on the matter. So what I am going to tell you right now is going to sound unusual. The most destructive thing that we could be doing right now is dividing from our neighbors. So I'm challenging us all. Go find somebody you disagree with. I'll find somebody I disagree with too. And lock arms around something that's more important than what you disagree about. I'll say it again. 
Lock arms with somebody you disagree with. Lock arms with somebody you disagree with. Lock arms with somebody you disagree with because there's something more important than what you disagree about. And my friend, mentor, teacher, Dr. Deborah Wagner is saying, it's probably your kids. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Come on the show anytime you want.